Okay, we are really having a great time studying the book of Ruth, and we're calling this t- Ruth, Truth, Truth from Ruth, uh, and we've used the, sort of the cross uh, to, for, for the T, because even though this is an Old Testament story, there's a lot of Jesus in the book of Ruth. The, the Old Testament points to Jesus, and uh, so we've been studying about uh, the book of Ruth and uh, I want to review for you, not, not a long review as, much, as long as I did last week, but I'm going to review for you a little bit where we're at. A lady by the name of Naomi and her two sons and her husband are having a famine and they're in, in a, a town called Bethlehem. I want, to, I want to kind of make a deal out of that. They're in a town called Bethlehem because you've heard of Bethlehem before, right? They're in a town called Bethlehem and that'll become more interesting as we finish our, our series. But they're in a town called Bethlehem. And uh, there's a famine, and so they have to move away to a place called Moab. While they're in Moab, the two sons marry Moabite women, foreign women, non-Jewish women. And it's a rough ten years. It's, it's, it's a rough decade. And during that decade, her husband dies, Naomi's husbands die. And not only does her husband die, but, but if that's not bad enough, both of her sons die. And so she's got two sons that, nothing worse for, for a mother to, if any of you have gone through that kind of tragedy, nothing worse than to lose a child from what I'm told by, by parents. Have, not a, no parent wants to think about losing a child. And so she's lost both of her sons. And uh, they are, um, uh, and so now Naomi hears that back in Bethlehem, things have gotten better, the famine's over. And um, her daughter-in-law said, hey, mom, we're going to go with you. And she said, no, 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 don't, don't do that, because back in Bethlehem we have different gods, everything, you, you know, just find your rest here. Find rest here. Find you. This is where uh, you guys are Moabites. Find your rest here. And she talks them, tries and tries to talk them out of it. And you know the story. We had the sermon called uh, Hugging is Better Than Kissing, and we learned that, uh, that Orpah kissed her mother her mother-in-law, which meant kiss goodbye. She kissed her goodbye. But Ruth, uh, the King James says, claved to her. She, she held on and wouldn't let go. She, 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 she hugged her and said, where you go, I'm going. And we talked about this. We talked about until you know where you're going to die, you don't know how to live. And uh, the Fritzies will appreciate that. I shared with this congregation, I don't know where I'm going to die. I used to think I knew where I was going to die. I was going to be behind, be buried behind the church at Christ Community Church and God uprooted us a couple of years ago and brought us here. But, but what I did say to the congregation is I know what I'm going to die doing. It's not about location, but it's where are you going to, where are you going to stake your life? And I'm going to die moving people that are far from God toward their highest potential as Christ followers. I know what the rest of my life is about. I'm going to be a tour guide helping people that are far from God move toward their highest potential as Christ followers. That's where I'm going to die. And, uh, and, and when I die, you're going to find me die trying. I'm going to die trying. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to die trying to bring people that are far from God toward their highest potential as uh, Christ followers. And then so we saw Naomi and Ruth limping back in and the bible says that she was so she looked so different after those 10 years that the people in town were moved and amazed and they couldn't believe this was the same naomi that had left 10 years ago and we talked about how the world will leave you bitter 
And, and she said, don't even call me Naomi, call me Mara, because that means bitter. But we also talked about the fact that it's never too late to come back home. Now, you know, when you hear that, when you hear this story, you think, well, this is one of those stories like, see, if you hadn't left, this wouldn't have happened to you. See, and Naomi, you know, you should have never left Bethlehem, because we did talk about it. it's better to go through tough times with God's people than, than prosperity. But you know what I love about God? Even when we make the wrong decisions, even when we get off track, we have a God that is about tracking us down. We have a God who is a God about redemption, about, uh, about not holding it over our heads, about not making us feel bad about the time that we got off track. But he's a God uh, who is all about, um, all about redeeming us. And this is a, a redemption story, and, re- and redeeming means bringing back to the original purpose for which you were born. And so we, uh, we talked about when she gets to Bethlehem, she's lost her house now. Home went in foreclosure while they were gone because of poverty. Now she's living like a poor person, and Naomi's living in a very simple little hut, sending Ruth out to, uh, to glean from the corners of the field, as, as the good Jewish people would allow the corners of their field for the poor people. But she lands in a, not just any Jewish guy's field, and she lands in the field of a guy by the name of Boaz. And I won't mention what Boaz's relatives are, but we mentioned them last week too. But uh, the, the, she went to, the, uh, to, the, to Boaz's field, and, and while she was in Boaz's field, this was a different kind of guy. He, he talked the talk. He, he greeted his workers, and he said, the Lord bless you, and, or no, the Lord be with you. And they shouted back, the Lord be with you. It's like, what kind of guy is this? And then, and then he starts commanding his, his, uh, his farmhands to start dropping extra crops for, for Ruth as she's gleaning in the field. And we talked last week. We talked last week about when you find a favorable field, stay in it. That, that, that if, you know, we get, we get used to success, you know. We just get used to things being good and we take them for granted. But Naomi said, you know what? Not, every, not everybody in Israel is like this, Ruth. And don't be going into any other field. Stay in, stay in Boaz's field. There is no perfect field. But when you find a fa- favorable field, you need to stay in it. We, we related that to marriage. When you find, a, when you find a, 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 the right wife, stay in that marriage. Amen. Boy, all the, yeah, I got one man said amen to that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but but when you find a favorable, you know, when you find a favor, if you if you find the right church, if you find the right uh, situation, find the right job, if you find the right marriage, stay in that. Amen. All right. Now we're going to pick up the story in Ruth chapter three. She's working in this good field, but but here's where the plot kind of thickens because, you know, there is a better way to live than just being a poor person in a nice guy's field. And I think sometimes we can settle for that. You know, I found a favorable field, and I'm working there, and we're, we're, we're getting more than we need for our daily sustenance, and, and God's blessing us, but can I just tell you something, that we have a God who is interested in you being fully restored. 
Because when Naomi left, she was a person of standing, and, and she was from a dignified family. They lost their property, and now they're living as poor people in this property, in, in, in this land, and God has something more in store for them. So Ruth chapter 3, we're going to pick up, and uh, we're going to get through this chapter very quickly today, but I think God wants to say something to us today. And I'm calling this message today, Boaz and What's-His-Face. Boaz and what's-his-face, all right? And you'll understand in a while. One day, and and this this chapter's in three parts. There's a conversation between Ruth and Naomi, and then Ruth goes and does what Naomi encourages her to do, and then there's a concluding conversation with Ruth and Naomi when she gets back home. So here's the opening conversation between Ruth and Naomi. Now, you've been very patient just sitting there listening to me review for a while. If you want to just change pace and stand up in honor of the reading of God's word for one moment. If you just stand up for a moment, I want to read just a few verses of scripture for you. It says, one day Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Good question. Is not Boaz with whom servant girls you have been a kinsman of ours? Good question. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself. Put on your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth says. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. You may be seated. Lord, we just thank you for your word today, and I pray, Lord God, that you would just speak to us today um, about the importance of Boaz and who he represents in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Okay, the, the first thing that we read said this, should I not go and find a home for you? It's kind of an unfortunate translation because when you look at that word in the, uh, in the Hebrew, that word home actually means a resting place. A resting place. And it's actually the same Hebrew word that she says to uh, Ruth and Orpah about, shouldn't you find a resting place back here in Moab? But now she is saying, no, you need to find, because you have come with me to Bethlehem, now you need to find a resting place here in Bethlehem. And here's what I want to say about that. If she's looking for a resting place, it means to me that she's restless. And I say that today, and we're talking about different truths from the book of Ruth. All of us, this is the first truth today, are looking for a resting place. David Thoreau said it this way, Most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. They're living their lives in desperation and there's a restlessness about them and, 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 they're, not, and, and, and they're not satisfied. And, and, and when you read, um, when you, uh, St. Augustine, one of the early Christian fathers, put it this way, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And so here she is, she's, she's restless, you know. She's, she's working in a good field, but... But how many know that uh, there's a difference? So let me put it to you this way. 
There's a difference between going to church and having a relationship with Jesus. It's possible to, to be in a good field. It's possible to be married to the right wife and not really have the intimacy that's intended for that marriage. It's possible to go to church and really never become a fully devoted follower of, of Jesus Christ. And there's a, a restlessness. And, and so I, I like Thoreau's quote when he says, and most go to the grave with that song still in them, which made me think, what is that song? And then I thought about the U2 song that put it very well. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I, I looked up, I looked up the, the lyrics to that song when I thought about that. This is, this is from a rock group, a contemporary rock group. Listen to what it says. He says, I believe in the kingdom come. Then all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one. Yes, but I'm still running. Now listen to what the song says. You broke the bonds, you loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame. Oh, my shame, you know I believe it. But I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Isn't that an honest lyric by that group that they're saying, you know, I believe in the cross. I really believe that he, he died for my shame. But, 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 but if I'm honest today, just because I'm in church today, Pastor, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. There's still a restlessness inside of me that, 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 that has never been satisfied. And so, he's restless. Living life as one of Boaz's servants' girls is not enough. Even though I've got more than enough to live on. I wasn't born for this. Did any of you just have that restless spirit inside of you that said, says, I wasn't born for this. This is not my destiny. I believe I can fly. Well, I had to write a song. So, so he says that all of us are restless. But then the next thing that Naomi says to her is this. And we happen to know someone who has the right to give us this rest. We talked last week about the fact that Boaz was one of the close relatives, which was called the kinsman redeemer. That, and we talked about the Jewish law, that if you were become destitute, that one of your close relatives could, could step in and redeem you and could buy that property back. And redeem you. And we found out that, that, that Naomi knows something about Boaz. He is a close relative. So there's this questioning. Don't you need to find a resting place? Yes. Do we know someone who can provide you that resting place? Yes. Then let's do something about it. Which is the next, which is, which is the next point. Listen to this. Don't rest until you find that rest. Naomi says, it, 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 it's time to take action. It's time, Ruth, to, to do something about this situation. How long are we going to live in a good field and there's a guy here who can do something about our situation? How long are we going to be in this situation and never do anything about it? We need rest. There's someone who has the right to give us this rest. Don't rest until you find that rest. And what does she say to her? Put on your perfume, baby. Take a shower. We're going to see Boaz. That's what she said. 
back in my day, what was what was the perfume that what was the perfume? Chanel number no. five. Put on your Chanel number no. five. Some of you are looking at me like, huh? <clears throat> Go down to that Boaz is in a good mood. You know why? It's harvest time. Let's keep reading. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now, this is a strange story to us in Western culture. We don't really get this. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Ow! Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. I just want to stop and preach for a second about that. Because a lot of times we run after the wrong thing. We, we run after that which is titillating the eyes. We run after that which we think can bring some immediate gratification to us. But here's Boaz. He's, he's, he's saying, you know, you could have, you're a good-looking woman, Ruth. You could have gone for any man that you wanted to. And man, I'm old enough to be your dad. And you're coming to me saying, redeem me. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow kinsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. I want to stop and say that too. It's not good enough to be a good woman or a good man. There's a lot of people just walking around, I'm a good man, I'm a good woman, I'm a good man, I'm a good woman, I'm a good man, I'm a good woman. You're still restless. God has something more for you than just being a good man and a good woman. Mm. Although it is true that I am a near kinsman, uh-oh, 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 problem, wah, 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 there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I am. Uh, it's what's his name? What's his face? We're never told his name. He's, he's what's-his-face. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem you, good. Let him redeem. But if he's not willing, surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here till morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized, and he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor he also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. And when she did, he poured into it six measures of barley. I'm going to load you down with more grain and put it on her. Then he went back to town. Okay, now here's something I want to teach us from the book of Ruth. This is harvest time, and the harvest represents a change in fortunes. 
Harvest represents a change in fortune. One of the reasons we're doing 21 days of prayer right now in August because harvest time is coming. How many believe that? How many believe that harvest time is getting ready to happen for some folks? Amen. So, so harvest time is coming, and we're preparing for the harvest. And, and, and the reason that Naomi says act now is because it's harvest time. And, and here's the way, and I, I've, got a, I've got a guy that knows a lot more about farming than I do in here. Uh, um, Matt Fritchie, my friend from Illinois, he farms some of the richest farmland in the world because it's, it's in Illinois, <laughs> of course, you know. They don't have red dirt. They got like black dirt. You can grow bolts and screws in Illinois. Seriously, you just put them in the ground and they grow. It's ama- everything grows in Illinois. But not only is he in Illinois, he farms by the Mississippi River. So they call them the bottoms, the river bottoms. It's high-risk farming. He could get flooded, but when it's good, it's very good. So, it's, uh, so you know, it, it's high-risk because in and, and the year I moved there, 1993, it, we had a flood so big it washed towns away. But Matt just stayed there because he said there's another year coming. And so, uh, and God's really been good to him. But it's harvest time. And the way this worked at harvest time, it was really, it was like a party. Harvest time was like a party because this is when, this is payday, you know what I'm saying? Here's this good guy. He's been good to the poor people. He's been good to his workers. But now it's harvest time. And they made a big party out of harvest time. And what they would do is they would bring all of the barley in. This was the barley harvest. And they would bring oxes uh, or with sticks. They would beat down the um, beat down the barley, and when they did that, it would crack it up, and there would be little pieces of of the stalk along with the grain. And then they ha- and, and they would put this thing called a threshing floor up a little bit higher. And the reason they would put it up a little bit higher is because so the breeze could blow through it. And what they would do is they would throw this grain up, and the chaff or the pieces of stalk would blow away, and the grain would come down on the, on the floor. And when the grain came down on the floor, that was what was, that's what was good. And the chaff, and Jesus talks about that, doesn't he? The, the chaff that blows away, that, that, that in, the, in the church, you know, grain grows up with other stuff. But, uh, but we're not, it's not our job to separate the wheat from the chaff. God will do all that. So, so, so he's winnowing. This is a big party. They eat, they drink. They're throwing grain in the air, and the chaff is blowing away, and he's got a huge pile of barley, which is money in that day. That's a huge pile of money. So he doesn't leave it in the barn all night. He sleeps by it. That's the way you did. You would sleep by that because you were going to protect that uh, barley uh, from uh, from being stolen. So here he is, he's having a party. He's been good to the poor people, but God's been good to him. And he's got this huge, huge uh, pile of barley there. And uh, um, then she does something kind of weird. She lays it after he, she sneaks in. Remember, she is wearing Chanel number five. (laughs) She sneaks in, he's asleep, lays by his feet. And after he gets, uh, uh, after she lays down, she takes the corner, she takes the corner of his garment and just lays it 
over herself. Now, that sounds a little risque to us. However, it wasn't in their culture. In fact, that word corner there in Hebrew is the word that's translated wings. Wings. And when you made a proposal in those days, you would ask the man to cover you with his wings. It's the exact word that was used in the last chapter when he says, you have come to the God of Israel and you have sought protection under his wings. And so now she comes to Boaz in the corner of his garment, and I think Chris preached about this when when he was talking about the woman with the issue of blood, and and, and she said, if I could just touch the, the hem of your garment. Why the hem of his garment? Because the hem of his garment was was the wings. And there was a prophecy in Malachi about Jesus that when the Son of Righteousness comes, he will come with healing in his wings. That even in the corners of his garment, that if you could just touch the hem of his garment, that there'd be healing there. And so she's saying to Boaz, could you cover me? Cover me with your wings. I need to be redeemed. I need to be protected. She's not making a sexual advance at him. She's saying, I want to come under the protection of your wings. And that's the next point. How many know that we need Jesus to cover us with his wings? We need Jesus to cover us with his wings, to to come into a relationship with Jesus and say, you know, you've been good to me, Jesus. I enjoy going to church. I I enjoy the benefits of being around your people. But I want more than that. I want more than that. Because I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And and I believe that there's a higher purpose for my life. And, And if you would cover me with your wings, and I could come under your protection... I really believe that that, that that's what I was born for. I know I was born in Moab, but I was not destined to die in Moab because I said to my mother-in-law, where you die, I'm going to die. Where you're buried, I'm going to be buried. And then I love love what he says. (laughs) You're talking to me. You could have had any other young guy that you wanted. And you're asking me? And you know, just the little point I got out of that was this. That you and Jesus are unlikely partners. Where are you at, Eddie Dalton? Do you think it... God had a plan for your life? You know, I remember kind of your reaction when you came, you know, this, the surprise that you just showed up on Easter morning to get baptized. You know what? You might have thought, you know, we're unlikely partners, but every one of us here today are unlikely partners. I've heard so many people tell me, Eddie, Eddie, do you think, or uh, Dean, do you, do you think some of your buddies might be surprised to find you in church on Sunday morning? It's an unlikely, an unlikely thing. And uh, Jesus wants to redeem you, but there's a problem. I'm going to ask Noah to come.
The problem is what's his face? You see, there's somebody that's even closer than Boaz who's never met you. He has no relationship with you. But he but he has more legal right to you than even Boaz has. It's technical correctness. Technically, there's another guy who's even a closer relative than I am. And he has more right to you than I have. Some Christian writers have looked at the story of Ruth and seen Jesus in this story, and they have said, you know, the closer relative is the law. Because the truth of the matter is the law has legal rights to you. How many know that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? And, and the wages of sin is death. And the truth is there's somebody that doesn't know you, doesn't care about you, has never, you've never been in his field before. But he's got a right to you. up and there's some nameless, faceless, heartless, closer relative that has legal rights. What strikes me about this beauty is that is that Boaz doesn't say, Ruth, go work it out. Get you fine. Me and what's his face are going to have a talk. We call him what's his face because the Bible never tells you his name. He shows up in the next chapter, but he's just what's his face. He probably should have known that Naomi was back in town. Never pursues a relationship. It's the law. The law is about technical correctness. And the last thing that I want to share with you just before we receive communion today.
without relief. The Holy Spirit sent me today to tell you to go, my daughter. She told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. But how many know that mothers know best? Naomi knows what Ruth doesn't even know at this point. Wait, my daughter. Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For this man... This man will not rest. I tell you about a God who won't relent until he has it all. Can I tell you this morning about a God who loves you so much he's not sleeping anymore. He's going to have a conversation with the law. What's his face? We're getting ready to have a meeting. We're going to talk about that meeting and what happens to Ruth in the last chapter. But I'm going to ask all of us, if you'd be willing, to just bow your heads and pray right now. And maybe, maybe this word is for you today. That the word for you is that you know you're sitting in church and you've been coming and. You still haven't found what you're looking for. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, would you just mind slipping up your hands and ask me, Pastor? Amen. Still haven't found There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Amen. 
Heavenly Father, as we've kind of like turned now and moved toward this time of communion where we're thanking you, Lord, for what you have done for us. Communion service, Lord, is about your meeting with what's-his-face. settled it because we couldn't settle it. You didn't send Ruth to do the work. You went and did the Ruth work yourself. We thank you, Lord, that 